0: Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel, and I'm so pleased to welcome back to the podcast, Scott Shivy. He is a longtime produce retail veteran, and he's been so generous to join us as a regular on this podcast and share some incredible insight on topics ranging from writing the ad, breaking down barriers between departments, pricing strategy, and much, much more. Uh, as you will know, if you have listened to us before, over the last 35-plus years, Scott has served in leadership roles with Fresh Time, with Sprouts, with Boshes. He's been recognized as Produce Retailer of the Year, Specialty Food Retailer of the Year. And today, our chat with Scott focuses on creating excitement in the department and all manner of ways to do that, from bringing in new items to merchandising more aggressively to changing how you invest the corporate budget uh, for produce in your stores Uh, all the way to providing training and resources for your employees. We had such a great conversation that we're actually splitting it into two parts. So without further ado, we'll take it over now to my discussion with Scott Schuette. Scott, thank you so much for being back with us again this week on the Produce Retail Podcast. Always so thrilled to have you. And our topic this week, I think, will be another really fun one, which is creating excitement in the produce department. And, you outlined here as we're getting ready for the call, you've been thinking about this in a number of different buckets. And we'll start with this one. You mentioned that new products are always a way to to inject some energy into the department.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of my favorite things um, each and every year in the past was the attendance of those important critical trade shows that you mentioned and be able to go coast to coast and see some different things that were being introduced, sometimes for the first time, um, sometimes, uh, you know, maybe a month or six months into the trial run forum, but being able to see, touch, feel, and sometimes even sample some of those new items in person at a trade show was always super important to me. Uh, In the past year or two, I think all of us have learned that uh, without the trade shows, we've had to find some different ways and some different avenues to figure out how to keep up with the new items and make sure that um, we weren't missing out on any categories that were important to growing our business. And so for me, inspiration on new products took on kind of a different uh, a different position. And without those trade shows, I focused and honed in quite a bit on um, the popular trade publications that are available out there to us. And some of the examples I can think of, uh, everything from the the email blasts that come in from the Packer, the PMG Magazine, Um, you get into, and now you know, the Produce Network and um, operations like that that uh, are a wealth of, of knowledge for introducing and bringing new products to the table. And a chance for us to skim through emails and or dig a little farther into those emails and be able to uh, examine a lot of the new products or the new categories that are being brought to the table and available to us. So I thought that was kind of a big part of, uh, of a change that I was redirected and kind of forced into do, uh, thanks to the last couple of years of the pandemic that we've lived through. One of the other changes that's happened for me, I know, is... Um, paying real close attention to um, what a grower, shipper, broker, uh, manufacturer has available and is um, communicating to you about, whether that's via phone call or or an email, but uh, taking them up on that offer and extending it a little bit farther and uh, requesting samples and live product of, of those particular items. And to be able to get your hands on and kind of observe and give a trial run uh, to some of those new items that are coming out are very important. So seeing live samples and experiencing live samples became kind of a bigger part of of the normal week. And then really last but not least on my little quick list was um, kind of what we're doing today. All the podcasts and the webinars and the information that's at our fingertips right now that uh, kind of revolves around What's new and exciting in the produce world, especially when it comes to product and innovation and equipment and a lot of those details. So becoming part of uh, or even an audience member of podcasts and uh, webinars became also super important.
0: And what were a few just thinking back over over your years in the business? What were a few memorable new product launches for you? What what comes to mind and what were some of the things that you did to to amplify? Like, not only is this a new thing, but this is a new thing you cannot miss as you walk through the department.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm going to go back way, way, way too far. But um, (laughs) this one puts a smile on my face. Actually, Um, I was uh, in the produce business at a retail level when there was no such thing as a packaged prepared salad. So we didn't have bag salads when I first started; uh, they did not exist. And um, after a number of years of being in the retail business, the first packaged bag salad program came out, and it was very small scale. I want to say that there was only three or four SKUs at that time of a uh, a, a cut, ready to eat, washed uh, bag of salads, and uh, very interesting because at that point in time. Nobody had perfected the uh, respiration of the lettuce inside the plastic bag. And so um, while we thought that it was a great concept and very convenient and and cool for us to be able to have on display, um, we initially started having some problems with the uh, the packages uh, bloating or actually uh, respirating within the bag and causing the the bag to, to bulge out. And so, although it was new and exciting for us and um, something that uh, everybody wanted to get into real quickly, we had to uh, proceed with caution a little bit, but enjoy the start of uh, what is now a primary category for retail produce. And that's value added packaged salads in all shapes and forms, whether they're in bags that have, you know, micro perforated, uh, you know, uh, holes in them for respiration or the clamshell packages that also allow a different version of of buying packaged salads. They've come a long ways throughout the years, but that was one of my first exciting categories. I can remember being new to the business and also new to the organization that I was working for at that time. Most recently, um, I'm going to pick on one of my favorite citrus items of the season right now, and that's that uh, sumo tangerine and the popularity of that. And seeing where it's uh, really come and gone to within the last five years has been super exciting. And to be able to uh, be involved early on, you know, with being a supporter of that particular item and then see how popular it has become with customers today, um, really exciting. And to have that as one of the top leaders in the citrus category right now, when it's available and when it's in season Uh, has been kind of rewarding to see because there's some great sales dollars around that category and especially that item.
0: Now, how did you all first become acquainted with Sumo? Did you reach out to them? Did you see them in a trade show? How did that partnership first come about?
1: Yeah, I think there was a combination of all of the above. Um, There was uh, definitely some back and forth communication on the excitement of this new item. At that point in time, there was uh, limited availability. Um, it was uh, just getting off the ground, but it happened to make a guest appearance at uh, one of the PMA shows, I believe it was, and we were able to uh, to get our eyes on it and take a look at it and see what it was all about and really understand how we could uh, add that to the citrus category and uh, create a little bit of a, a customer following behind it. Little did we know that it was going to become a main item and make some front page promotional advertising appearances and have as much uh, volume and growth as it actually did. But yeah, I believe that started out the infancy stages from trade show exposure and or from the the regular grower shipper introduction that we were able to have part of.
0: Now, when you encountered a new item like that, that was really exciting, but still early on, not a whole bunch of volume. How did you approach You know, bringing that into the store. Okay, what do I move out to make space for this? How long do I need it to be able to be here for it to be, you know, a relevant, meaningful addition? Um, How did you navigate those kind of things? Yeah,
1: I really like that question uh, because for me, it boils down to letting the data of the current uh, history of the of the organization tell us what we we need to do, and in that particular example. Um, the citrus category itself was completely evaluated and all current data from the citrus category was reviewed quite extensively. And we were able to take a look at uh, what were the wins and what were the losses of that category that we could afford to either make some smaller space allocations for, or in some cases, no longer carry and replace it with something that had much more strength and power to it, like the, the Sumo and bring that to the category to uh, really elevate the entire category and make the improvements necessary. So um, in a way, I guess it's kind of twofold. You're, you're examining and looking at your business to make sure that um, everything is, is firing on all cylinders and making sure the top performance is there. And when it's not, it's allowing you to make some of the moves and changes needed to take that category to the next level. And shoot a bit, a little bit, shoot a little bit of life into it, you know, by adding a category or expanding the space allocation or the commitment to merchandising for a particular item to really spice some things up at uh, store level and at customer level.
0: And I know a- another bucket of of ways to to bring excitement to the part, the department that you mentioned, Scott was new processes right and and what what are going to be the big ticket items you know for the coming year and you talked a little bit about um there's kind of the the traditional big ticket items and you know maybe how those might need to change as we look forward
1: yeah absolutely and i think that's not only just kind of a gut feeling of mine but it's something i'm seeing a lot of retail organizations do today um in years past to your point um I know I was always guilty as an executive leader of, of using the top buckets as a priority when planning or helping plan a capital expense budget for the next year. And those top buckets were usually revolving around um, remodeling, uh, new, new store construction, uh, and, and equipment. Those three areas seem to be always at the top of the list when planning out capital expense budgets for the preceding year. Um, a lot of things have changed. And I think we need to take a closer look at uh, spending money and committing capital expense to some different categories. And a couple of the different categories I was thinking of, uh, one was technology and the use of technology and the investment that's needed in technology, because let's face it, technology is usually at the bottom of the list when it comes to, to capital expense budgets. And it doesn't take a front seat or a major priority. It's usually down pretty low. Um, The second example I was thinking of was the training and development capital expense that's really needed to elevate the team members and to help with uh, some definite retention in team members that's needed in today's day and age. But um, technology, I can think of all kinds of examples for, for technology that overall just to boost the total company the organization and the store itself when you think about technology um, you can think about what it's going to do for the gaining of productivity within a particular department or within a store you can think of all the increases in efficiencies that that department is going to be able to get Um, obviously when you increase efficiencies that's going to help out for the labor purposes of the department. And we all know in today's day and age, how tough labor is in every department, just trying to get warm bodies into the department to to keep it going. Um, We can also optimize technology from the standpoint of how many human errors technology is gonna help eliminate and make the department better and stronger. Um, I know from a recent past experience on implementing technology, what a morale booster it is to the organization and the team members down in the trenches when you provide them this you know new age um just amazing technology that takes them from zero to 100 miles an hour in almost overnight it makes their job quite a bit simpler Um, it's entertaining for them and uh, it it actually is a huge morale booster for them Um, most of all when you start you know talking about boosting morale of team members. At the same time simultaneously you're improving your retention rate just by doing that you know you're keeping people actively engaged and most of all you're letting them do a process that uh, they're capable of doing because now they have the help of of technology and helping them take it to the next level Um, a great example i can think of is uh, the technology that has advanced throughout my career on something as simple as writing a produce order and writing a replenishment order for what what you need. Um, Coincidentally, writing a produce order is the hardest part of the job requirements in the department. It's also the most critical and important part of a produce manager's job or an assistant produce manager's job or a lead clerk or whoever it might be. Uh, It's a super important job. So why not invest more in the technology you know, that's used to be able to write an order and be able to throw out that paper and clipboard and pencil and replace it with a, a fancy iPad that all, has all kinds of built-in suggestive ordering and, and built-in highlights of the ad items or the promotion items for that week and kind of a great system that helps you um, be a better order writer and really allows um, an assistant produce manager to write as good or better of an order than a produce manager. To me, that's a great example of investing in technology that is a win-win for the company right there. And then training development, we've talked about training and development on on prior podcasts, but uh, how important it is in today's day and age to inject the department and the people that, that work there with knowledge, to develop them to be um, you know, someday future leaders of the company in one direction or another, um, to be actively engaged and involved in it and have the confidence that they can now perform their job and do their job thanks to an investment in training and, and development. But I think both of those uh, categories are going to move up higher on that list of capital expense uh, budget ideas than they have before in the past, and uh, rightfully so. It's about time.
0: Well, and when you mention, you know, technology that can make it easier on the the folks that you have in the store, I'm envisioning, like you said, instead of kind of walking through with your pen and paper and, you know, you're writing down and you're checking the box and then you're calling it in or you're transferring it to the computer, whatever, you know, the steps would be in the past. It sounds like now there's options out there where, And correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm envisioning is you probably have your baseline of things that you did this time last year and you can adjust here and adjust there. And, okay, this is an ad item. We're building this display up front, so I'm going to do more of that and kind of give you a baseline to work from maybe instead of having to start from scratch every week.
1: Absolutely. That's what technology does. It takes away the guesswork. And unfortunately for us at at retail level, um, with a clipboard and a pencil, there ends up being quite a bit of guesswork uh, as far as what's needed for replenishment orders. Once you intertwine technology into that and inject some artificial intelligence and definite history of your store, boom, all of a sudden you've got some amazing suggestions that are almost guardrails or training wheels right on the little tablet in front of you that are giving you great tools to work with and helping you navigate a difficult order. Um, I've seen that type of tool have the capabilities of, of navigating a snowstorm. In other words, being able to help the order writer be prepared for that rush of customers that's going to be coming in beforehand and make sure they have plenty of product. Um, I've also seen that software uh, let the produce manager know that, hey, normally when you do have a snowstorm coming in, your sales on potatoes, onions, and carrots in certain categories go way up. Because they become kind of pantry stuffers for customers. Um, The opposite happens on highly perishable items. You don't see customers overstocking up on bananas, you know, because bananas have a limited shelf life before they're ripe or overripe in some cases. So, this ordering software kind of helps you navigate through those question marks, especially, you know, for newer people getting into our business that might not know or understand how to prepare for a snowstorm or what to do in the middle of it, or what to do at the end of a snowstorm when customer traffic has slowed down a little bit. So ordering software helps them pick the exact quantities that are needed throughout an event like that snowstorm example.
0: Well, and and also when you mentioned technology and you mentioned, you know, trying to make things easier on the folks in the store, an issue that was brought up to me the other day was actually around self-checkout. And I, I don't know about your neck of the woods, but around here, it's like every store, even kind of the higher end stores that really held out on any self-checkout for a long time, we're starting to see a lot, a lot of self-checkout. And um, when I was hearing about this, they said that shrink through self-checkout was you know significantly higher than shrink through your manned register. And I wondered. Number one, if if you had seen that, and number two, kind of what sorts of tech, technology advances you've seen to kind of alleviate some of that.
1: Yeah, answer to your question, I've definitely seen that happen and transpire. The answer to it, um, you've had you have to have some great front end leadership that is usually up there up front that's observing and assisting customers with those self checkout lanes. You've also got to make it easy for a customer to um, when they're ringing a product, ring it up correctly um, or organic identification. And maybe that secondary organic label on certain organic items is a good reminder to the customer that that honey Crisp apple happens to be organic and it's not conventional to make sure those don't get mixed up. But what I've experienced in the past that helps the most is that dashboard on the computer screen at that register that the customer is actually exposed to and how easy it is to navigate that dashboard and be able to find the exact item that's in their bag rather than doing the guesswork and calling it something else and misidentifying it because they're frustrated and they're not able to locate it in that uh, dashboard of the cash register.
0: Well, and another thing that I had heard about just recently, and it sounds to me like maybe this is an emerging technology and, and it sounds like Um, you know, the, this may be an easier said than done sort of situation, but I heard the other day about um, how some of these technology providers are even developing um, basically, you know, vision and and AI in those checkout, you know, in the module that goes on to the, the checkout area, right, that can look at the item. And so instead of me having to type in the PLUs for all my different bulk things, right, or Try and scan the different, you know, variety melons, but they're not all in the system yet, so they're not coming up. Um, to actually further take out some of the guesswork, you know, some of the uh, some of the process, right, that that oh, yeah. leads to those longer lines, some of those different yeah. things. So
1: there's yeah, you, probably remember, a lot on
0: the horizon.
1: Sure, you remember what it was like when we were, uh, you know, touring the Idaho potato harvest, and they were using um, some high tech cameras that were actually taking. 360 degree pictures of every potato that came down the potato line. There are similar pieces of technology in the world of retail cash registers that are helping do the same thing. What's really helping the most is the advancement that uh, the grower shipper packers have had on their labeling process. So whether it's the little the G10 code that's on each of their their PLU stickers or the, the PLU sticker themselves, helped help the customer tremendously identify what those items are as they're coming through the front register. And many of them, because they're they're labeled and stickered so well, it's just a matter of the, the swipe through the register and the eyes of the infrared register being able to pick up those G10 codes or the PLU codes and being able to identify those properly and correctly. And most of all, get the sales dollars and the profit dollars that the store deserves for those items going through the front register. So, big advancements all the way around that's technology though. And that's what I was speaking of earlier. That's, it's an important investment that um, you know, if if we think companies like Amazon are not going to invest more in, in technology, we're crazy because they are, and that's what they're known for. I think other grocery retailers really need to think about doing the same thing Mm -hmm. uh, in order to keep up with the times. Uh, It's not about technology for center store and dry grocery. It's about upping the technology for the perishable departments that are are kind of long overdue, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's such a great point, too, about Amazon, because um, you know, the the word that we have heard so much in, in the rise of Omnichannel is frictionless, right? And so for that, for that in-store experience to continue to compete and and kind of meet expectations of what people are going to get in all these different retail environments you know, trying to make that process as smooth as possible. So in addition to actually getting things to ring up right as they go out the door, you know, having it be a nice experience for the shopper. And and I know that a lot of times people, you know, may think, um, yeah, outside the industry generally, right, that like folks are um, or grocers are trying to, to replace people, you know, with self-checkout or things like that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I'm hoping that maybe that's something too, where, you know, if, If technology is taking some of those jobs, move those people over and have them talking about the produce and talking about, you know, the specialty items in the deli and talking about all the cool stuff in the meat department and bring back kind of that traditional interaction and customer service that a lot of times gets cut out because, well, we have to have people at the registers, you know?
1: Yeah. And kind of uh, helping with the topic of our conversation today, um, keeping the departments fresh and relevant and being able to have the time to do that. um, Because let's face it, we all buy with our eyes. When we're in a store and we're shopping, um, it's customer entertainment value that uh, really gets the items in the basket. And to be able to have time to stock shelves and make sure they're full and fresh, uh, to have that valuable time to be able to explain something to a customer or even offer a sample to a customer, those are sales builders. And those are things that also generate quite a bit of customer loyalty and commitment to your organization. And if you want a customer back the next week and they're on thereafter, that's a great way to do it.
0: One more big thank you to Scott for the excellent breakdown and thank you all for listening. Remember to join us again next week for the second part of this conversation, which goes further in depth on how you can create excitement in a department by strategically and creatively investing in your people. If you haven't already, check out our archives for conversations with folks, including Mike Tipton of Schnooks, Tim Dubner of D&W Fresh Market, Brian Day of Four Seasons Produce, Mark Kaczynski with Garrity's, and many other awesome produce people. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Produce Retail Podcast.